But the women will get an opportunity to uh, go in there for a small, uh, a short time of prayer at 1230. So if you are a, a woman, my wife would like to um, pray with pray with you all for the church and for other things at 1230 in the uh the new room. That's what I'll call it right now, the, the new room. You know where it is. And if you don't need a woman, just follow the crowd because hopefully uh, we'll have a crowd of women uh, going in there. Um, for those who might not know, I see faces I don't recognize. Um, my name is Michael Dixon. I'm one of the pastors here. If this is your first time, thank you for being with us this morning. We are delighted to have you. We know that you that you passed a few churches on your way here, so thank you for worshiping with us. In order to connect with us, uh, go to your the, your app store and download the Church Center app. And once you download the app, put Solid Rock Church in there. Um, and then we should come up and you will be able to uh, see some of the events that are coming up. You'll be able to connect. And if by chance you're looking for a church, um, you'll be able to say that you're interested in membership and things like that. Once you, But the first step is download the app and get to Solid Rock Church and uh, you'll be able to see what's going on. If you have any questions, um, please either ask the person you came with or the people who look very confident. That, that probably means that they are members here, right? I know there are some people who just look confident, so you might, you know, but, but try that. That's, that's, that's a good step as well. Um, so uh, another thing, I'm sorry that um, we're not in, into the word yet, but we're going to get there. Um, if I don't know how many people know Peter Hyde, he's one of our older members. Um, and uh, on at some point on Friday or Thursday, he went into the hospital. Um, at Friday, very late Friday night, he <clears throat> it was thought that he would not make it through the night. Um, and so uh, a couple, uh, Ray Rowland, John Fair, and I went uh, to visit him uh, and... Um, we, you know, he, he was not looking well and things he looked like it could be his last night. Um, but by the grace of God, it wasn't. Um, so would you just please keep Pete in your prayers? Um, please keep him in your prayers. We, we appreciate that. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm going to pray. I do have a couple more announcements, but this, it just makes sense to pray here. So please join me. Father, we thank you so much for your love and your care for all of us. We thank you so much for the various ways that we experience your grace in our lives. We thank you for your attention being on us and you being for us and not against us. And we thank you that that means that if anyone else is against us, well, it doesn't matter because you're for us. And your word says, if you are for us, who can be against us? So we thank you for that. We thank you that in our lives, no one else has the final word but you. So regardless of what doctors have said about Pete or others in our lives, Lord, uh, we know that you are the final arbiter of conclusion, Lord. So whatever the case will be, will be on your terms. So, Father, we ask you that you would continue to be with our brother Pete. We do ask you that you would um, allow him to know your presence with him and to be able in some way to delight in that, Lord, um, even as he uh, recovers or is transitioning to you, Lord. Whatever the case is, we ask you that you would be with him. And Lord, we do ask you, Lord, we, you know us, we will ask you as long as we are alive for healing, Lord, we will ask you for that. And so we do ask you, Lord, by your miraculous power to raise him up. We don't mind that. We're for that, Lord. So we ask you, 
But, Lord, we also are uh, submitted to your will because you always know best. Uh, Father, we ask you that you would bless this message, bless this time. We ask you that you would please speak um, through me. We ask you that you would increase and that I would decrease. We ask you that because only you know how to speak to every heart under the sound of my voice, even if they join at some other time, even if they watch this as a recording of some kind, you know how to speak to those who will watch so and who will hear, Lord. So we ask you to please do this because no one came here to see me, Lord. They came to encounter you. So, Father, would you please be ever so faithful, and may we all encounter you, Lord. Uh, thank you for your mercy and your grace. We love you. We enjoy you. Thank you that we know you by a thousand names, and those names still aren't enough, Lord, but we thank you for what we do know of you, and we praise you, and we delight in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, one other thing uh, before, I, um, before I get into the message, I, I just... I said that there, there, there seem to be a, like a lot of faces I don't recognize. So <clears throat> you're not going to be alone, more than likely, unless the other people who don't respond just, I'm not going to call them any names, but unless they, unless they don't respond, if they're scared to respond, then that's on them. But uh, if you are either new today or you've come within like the last three months, could you just raise your hand so we can see, see who you are? Just, okay. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Well, that was the church saying hello and glad, nice to meet you. Uh, hopefully at the end of the message, um, people will um, come to you and say hello. Uh, remember Solid Rock, I know we've been, you know, isolated from people and things like that, but Please do make sure um, if people never come back here that they know we are a welcoming church. So if you see someone you don't know, um, please say hello to them and please greet them. I do want to uh, just acknowledge a person who uh, personally is um, special. Um, we're all special. We, we, live in that, we live in that day and age. We're all special, right? Uh, but, but we all are. On some level, we all are. So that's, that's, there's some truth in that. Um, but I, I just wanted to acknowledge one person who uh, I think this is her first, second time uh, here with us. Uh, the last time was years ago, and that's a person who I uh, used to work very closely with at Parkdale High School. So you may have heard her name if you're a long-time member. Her name is Dana Brown. Um, she, I call her Mrs. Brown. She was the um, Transforming Neighborhoods Initiative coordinator at Parkdale when I was there. So anything you hear going on, at Parkdale that comes through me. This person was one was like a key to opening a door to a whole new world. So Ms. Brown, could you please stand up so everybody can see you? And, and Ms. Brown, thank you very much. And please, please pray for Ms. Brown. She recently uh, lost her mom. Um, so please uh, keep her in your prayers, even if you do not get to say hello uh, to her. So I'm going to take a swig of this water, and then we're going to get Get it in, and we're going to be continuing in the uh, spiritual warfare um, series. So <clears throat> last week, as I just mentioned, we began our first installment of what I think is an unorthodox series on spiritual warfare. Unorthodox because um, we're not primarily seeking to convince people that there is spiritual warfare that plays out um, on this earth. 
Um, we're assuming that you know this. Uh, we're assuming that you have questions about some of the practicalities. We're assuming that you may have even seen some things, some things you understand, some things you're like, what in the world? We're assuming that. What we're also assuming is that the context that is foundational to there being spiritual warfare, that most of us are unaware of the depth of that foundation in that context. And so the reason why, as Pastor Kurt said, that this is going to be a month, months-long series is because it's important to know the context and the foundation, right? We all have voices, right? We use those voices differently in different contexts, right? So if we're in a library, we're, if we're at a game, we're, if we're, if, it's different. So context matters all the time. So if for humanity... Even with Adam, we're just dropped into a context in which we live. And for us, we're dropped into a context that we'll call it modern for right now, right? Because we're juxtaposing it against the first century Christians who had a Jewish mentality to what this world is about in relation to spiritual warfare that we don't have. We're, we're, we're millennia removed from that mentality. And so if we're going to process spiritual warfare accurately, we need to understand the mentality that they had because it will help us to operate in spiritual warfare in a way that is most biblical, not just informed by our theological positions, but hopefully informed by God's word. So this message, like the one last week, is not going to be one where we get into any practicalities. It's just going to be one where we're kind of looking at scripture to see what we don't normally see. So we're going to look at visions of eternity, we'll call it eternity, or visions of heaven, where we see some interactions between God and these other God-like beings um, that most people call, most theologians call the divine counsel, the divine counsel. So we're going to start, I've mentioned unorthodox, and I will say this from the start before I read his quote. Um, one uh, person that you can read that's his, his, his material is like accessible, meaning like it's easy to read, um, is a person named Michael, a guy named Michael Heiser. Um, you may have uh, heard of him, you may not have, but <clears throat> he has a book that I would, that's a good introductory uh, read for this whole unseen realm type uh, uh, engagement, and it's actually called Unseen Realm. That's his book, and uh, his uh, last name is spelled H-E-I-S-E-R, Michael Heiser. In his book, The Unseen Realm, he starts it off this way. He says, we all have watershed moments in life, critical turning points where, for that moment on, nothing will ever be the same. One such moment in my life, the catalyst behind this book, came on a Sunday morning in church while I was in graduate school. Uh, I was chatting with a friend who, like me, was working on a PhD in Hebrew studies. We were just killing a few minutes before service started. Though he says, I, I, didn't, I don't recall much about the conversation, I'm sure it was something about Old Testament theology. Even though I don't remember all of the, de all of the details, I'll never forget how it ended. My friend handed me his Hebrew Bible, 
open to Psalm 82. He simply said, here, read that. Look at it closely. The verses hit me like a bolt of lightning. Let's put uh, Psalm 82, one up, please. God, which is translated from the, from the Hebrew word Elohim, stands in the divine assembly. He administers judgment in the midst of the gods, lowercase, same word but plural in the Hebrew, Elohim. So God stands in the divine assembly. He administers judgment in the midst of the gods. Then he continues, I've indicated the Hebrew, this is in his book, I've indicated the Hebrew uh, word, wording that caught my eye and put my heart in my throat. The word Elohim occurs twice in this short verse. Other than in the covenant name, covenant name Yahweh, um, it's the most common word in the Old Testament for God. And the first use of the word in this verse worked fine, right? God. Um, that was me, right? But God. Um, he goes on to say, but since I knew my Hebrew grammar, I saw immediately that the second instance needed to be translated as plural. There it was, plain as day. The God of the Old Testament was part of an assembly, a pantheon of other gods. So I wouldn't use the same wording. That was his last sentence in that paragraph. I wouldn't use the word pantheon, but I'll explain that a little bit uh, in, in just a moment. So, so if we can put, if we can get both verses one and two up there. So, so um, I don't know if we can do that, but let's we'll look again. Okay, so God has taken this place in the divine council in the midst of the God He holds, God's He holds uh, judgment. This Psalm eighty-two is about calling upon God to please act justly on the behalf of those. Who are oppressed. So verse 2 says, How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? And then it goes on. Since he's not judging, since he's not bringing judgment upon them, it, it, the, the psalmist is like, like um, Why are you judging unjustly? Like their actions should have consequences on their heads, but it doesn't. So the person is asking God to bring judgment. The person understands that the gods or the, 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 the other, the plural Elohim, ought to be brought into judgment because of wicked actions. The person also knows that God is over all of anything that can be called another Elohim. So God is over everything. So, so, so in, in Genesis, it talks about the, the most high God. Why is it necessary for there to be a most high God? Well, it's necessary because there are other beings who are not exactly like God, who are not the most high, but they are Elohim. They are divine beings. Paul Sumner, in his work on this subject, he says that uh, he's telling us about uh, this paper he's written um, and he says the thesis, this thesis has documented the existence and importance of the divine council, or I think Heiser called it assembly, in the Hebrew Bible. 
It has, it has done so by analyzing terminology and imagery that depict God as an enthroned king surrounded by powerful supernatural creatures. Study of actual council sessions or throne visions focused on specific features such as Yahweh's status and authority, the decision-making processes of heaven, the nature of heavenly attendance, and the identity of those who witnessed the sessions. And we're going to look at some of those this morning. The fact that terminology, that council terminology and imagery occur throughout the Bible verifies its enduring place within Israel's faith. So I'm just going to read that again, just so we understand not only the, the Israelites, but the first century Christians had this same mentality as it relates to what's going on in the divine, in the divine, in the heavenly realm. That sentence, I'm going to repeat it. The fact that council terminology and imagery occur throughout the Bible verifies. And he says throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New. We're going to start with the New Testament in just a moment. Um, but it verifies its enduring place within Israel's history. Since it's in the Old Testament, it should also be, excuse me, since it's in the New Testament, particularly in Revelation, it should also inform our mentality as, re- as well. Um, he goes on to say, there is no... There is no doubt she, meaning Israel, believed in the reality of God's assembly. Indeed, she probably viewed it as representing an even higher order of reality than its mere material existence. The chair upon which God sat was secondary to the kingship he exercised from it. So he identifies himself as the most high because he's the king of the Elohim. He is. So I'll read the last sentence again. The chair upon which God sat was secondary to the kingship he exercised from it. So he's worthy to sit on a throne that we will see mentioned over and over again because of who he is. He is, he is the most high. Logos, the uh, software, uh, has this note before we begin jumping into the scriptures. Um, It says, virtually all civilizations participate in recognizing and seeking to please or placate one or more divine beings. Israel acknowledged the existence of several gods, though they proclaimed Yahweh as the only God they should worship. The life, cross, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus transformed the way believers, uh, transformed the way believers in Jesus spoke of God, Christians, as Christians, we apply that language to both um, for, for Yahweh, to Jesus, um, to God the Father, Jesus the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as well. So let's look at the first scene where we see God with, with these divine beings around him. And I think we looked at this on last week, um, Revelation chapter 4. Beginning in verse 1, again, remember we're, we're in this series we're using the ESV. After this, it says, verse 1 says, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit 
And behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. He who sat there had the appearance of Jasper Carnelian and upon and Carnelian and upon the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments and uh, with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightnings and rumblings and peals of thunder and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. So we see John uh, seeing that the, the center, you know, he, you know Revelation. So first, uh, three, first two chapters, he's interacting uh, with the resurrected Christ. The third chapter, um, um, he has uh, letters that he's to write to the seven churches. He writes those, those letters, and then he's told, to come up here. And then once he gets there, the first thing he notices is a throne. The centerpiece of heaven is the throne. That's why the throne is seen first. That's why the throne is referred to multiple times within this, the short verses, short section of verses I've read. The throne is the centerpiece. So around the throne are 24 other thrones, right? And as we will see, if you know this passage, you already know where it's going. But as we will see, those on the throne respond to, on the thrones, the 24 thrones, respond to the one on the throne differently than anyone else. The one on the throne is different than everyone else. The way they respond is critical, so let's continue on. And around the, I read a part, yeah, 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 oh yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, uh, like a crystal, around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind, the first living creature like a lion, uh, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a, of a man, the fourth living creature like an, like an eagle in flight. And the fourth, let me just stop right here. When we read stuff like this, like we want to know like, hey man, why, why they got a face like an ox? Why they, I mean, or at least that's how I read it, right? That's what I'm interested in. And I can be interested in that more than processing the throne, right? Why, why does it have an ox, ox like a man? Hmm, okay, we're there. Um, all right, the fourth number. You know, I mean, that, that's, that's how, how, how I would naturally read that, and I would be caught up into, like, why, right? So I, I understand that, but I think if we do that first, or if we, our, our curiosity can lead us to miss, as they say, miss the forest for the trees, Right. All right. So I just wanted to say that. All right. Uh, continue. Verse eight. And the four living creatures, each of them had six, uh, each of them with six wings are full of eyes all ar all around and within and day and night. They never cease. OK, here's the first. Here's the first thing that we see someone doing toward the one on the throne. They never cease. They don't stop. That's what never cease means. Right. They don't stop saying Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So holy, holy, holy. When we think of holy, it's easiest to think about moral purity. But they're not saying morally pure, morally pure, morally pure are you. That, that's, that's not what they're saying. The, the word holy for us, we can translate that word into this transcendent, which means above all things, which means matchless, which means like unique, which means like there's only one. 
they, they remember in, in Old Testament, well, you may not know this, but for those who do, remember this. For those who don't, here you go. And in, in, in the Bible, when you see repetition, that's like an exclamation point. Transcendent, 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 or most high, most high, most high is who? The Lord God Almighty. Again, look at how God is described by these divine beings. You're different than us. You're different. This is not human beings talking. This, this is other Elohim talking. You're different. You're different. You're different. Lord God Almighty. So they submit to him as Lord. They see him as God and they acknowledge that he's almighty as well as being transcendent over them. And they say who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures uh, give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever. Like, look at this, just continuing to describe who he is. He's the one, <laughs> he's the one who um, is seated on the throne. I'm sorry, I lost my place on this. Okay. We'll just continue with the passage. So, so whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, so they, they, the, the scene shifted from, from the 24 elders. They told us about the, the thrones being around the throne, right? And then it shifts to these beings that have these faces and eyes everywhere who say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who is, who was, and is, and is to come. And then the scene shifts to start including, it broadens out so that it includes the 24 elders again. So here they reappear. They hear what, what's being said, um, and they, the 24, cast their crowns before the throne. So they submit themselves. They, this could be seen as them bowing their knee. This could be seen as them bowing themselves. They cast their throne, their, their, their crowns before the throne, saying, worthy are you our Lord and God? So this is their Lord and God that we're talking about. That's me. They, they identify him. They submit, you are our Lord and our God. You are worthy, it started off, to receive power and honor, excuse me, glory and honor and power, for you created all things. So all things that are created, including these other Elohim, you created them. You're over them. I have children. I named them. They didn't name themselves. Now, when they get older, they can try to change their name. But that birth certificate, nowadays you can change your birth certificate, I think, for other reasons. But most people aren't changing their names. Some people do, but most people don't. Being able to name something, that's, that's a, a level of authority that you have because you're the one who, who gave birth to it. So... My wife gave birth to our children, just in case there's any, like, uh, just in case anybody wonders about that. But, uh, but you know what I'm saying. All right. <laughs> you created all things. And by your will, they existed and were created. So look at how responsible God is. It's not just that he created it, but he wanted to do it. And so he did it. His will is the supreme will. 
And these divine beings, they submit to it. So this is one of the, 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 the throne room visions that we see. John got to look and see, got to go up and see what the heavenly throne room was about. And when he goes into the heavenly throne room, divine creatures that look strange, they worship God. They call him almighty. They call him um, our Lord, our God. They call him uh, God, right? They're worshiping him. They're giving reasons why. Why you're worthy. Why you're worthy to receive honor, glory, and power. They are acknowledging that we are under you. God is most high. He's the almighty. But they are some other beings that are divine, that are there. Let's look at another, another one, another familiar, hopefully chapter four of Revelation was familiar, but also very familiar in the Old Testament is Isaiah. Isaiah chapter six. Starting in verse one. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, go figure, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, oh, look at what they say. They say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Why would the Lord be a Lord of hosts? What host is, is being referred to? It's referring to the heavenly host. There's a heavenly host that he is the Lord of, and he's different then. Again, holy, holy, holy. Unique, unique, unique. Transcend, transcendent, transcendent, transcendent. That's who you are. That's who you are. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations, verse 4, of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Let's just stop and pause. When the transcendence of God should be something of which we are very afraid. Right. So so remember when 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 the Israelites wanted to wanted to talk to God, they come to the to the mountain and then they afterwards they say, you know what? That's all right, Moses. You just interact with him. You tell us what he said, but we don't want to know more parts of him. Right. We, we scared. Basically, they didn't say we scared, but you, you get me. Um, Isaiah. Look at what Isaiah says to about himself as he sees the Lord. He says, woe is me, for I am lost. Okay, all right. I'm lost. I, I, I can relate to that. I'm lost. Okay, for I am a man of unclean lips. I can relate to that. This is, again, both personal responsibility. I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips. This, this other one, though, kind of gets me. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Have you ever considered that just by being around certain people, 
And I don't mean certain people as in like a bad communication corrupts good manners. I just mean the things that we accept because like we're just breathing the air that is here at this day and time, how much that might pollute us as it relates to God's transcendence and how like he's culpable before God. He feels the, the weight of his own actions and the actions of the people he's around. Because that's how unclean, this is not just me, but this is a culture where there's unclean lips. And so even though we may not be doing the exact same things as people, my goodness, man, this, this leads me to, and remember, Isaiah was a priest, so it wasn't like he was just, you know, he wasn't, let's put it in our day and age, he wasn't like he was, you know, going to a strip club or like, doing, he wasn't that person. He was a moral person. And he still calls a curse on himself. That's what woe is me indicates. Thank God that through Jesus Christ, we don't have to be afraid of God anymore. Thank God that Jesus Christ became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God and would not have to fear the most high God, who's the the Lord of hosts, who's holy, holy, holy. Like we really don't have to fear him. So if we're on the place like Pete is where like there's a death watch for us or whatever, like we do not have to fear going into the presence of God because Christ has gone before us. It doesn't minimize how holy he is. It doesn't minimize the fact that he's the most high or almighty. It just maximizes the sacrifice of Jesus because here it talks about how a seraphim, the seraph, one of the seraphim uh, flew to him having a burning uh, coal in his hand and, and he, had to, he couldn't put it in his hand, he used tongs and he touched it uh, to the prophet's lips and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Instead of a tongue, There's been a sacrifice for us instead of a coal from the altar. There's been a sacrifice sent from God himself so that we do not have to fear God, the almighty one, the one who no one can stop. We don't have to fear him, but we can come before his throne of grace, scripture says, boldly. Amen? These divine beings who are in this throne room, they acknowledge that there is one who is holy. That one is on a throne, just as we saw in Revelation. Here in Isaiah, he's also on a throne with other divine beings. And he's called similar things. He's, he's the holy one. He's the Lord, right? Isaiah says, oh, that's the king. My eyes have seen him, and that's why he calls down a curse on himself. One final, well, this isn't the final. This is, we're going to handle the, the, the two more passages. This one we're going to handle um, similar to how we've handled the previous two. And the last one is just like trying to show us like the function of decision making within this divine council. And this one is pretty long. It's, uh, just, it's long, but like, try, stay with me. Uh, it's Ezekiel chapter one. It's a lot of strange stuff in here. Again, it will be one where like we'd be like, "Hey, man, what, what's that and why is that?" But but don't miss the forest for the trees. And remember that within this series, the reason why it's going to take a while to get to like practicalities is because 
We need the mindset first. We need the understanding first. There was a deacon in the church that I grew in, grew up in that would always quote the proverb that says, you know, uh, with all you're getting, get an understanding. So let's, again, understand the, the context in which we find ourselves and the mindset that sort of been uh, abandoned, you know, uh, over the years through uh, theological frameworks and just, you know, just reading scripture from a different cultural perspective. Ezekiel chapter 1. In the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the, on, on the fifth day, excuse me, of the month, I was among the exiles by the Chabar Canal. The heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King George King Jehoiachin, the Lord, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Buzah. In the land of the Chaldeans by the Chibar Canal, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. As I looked, behold, a stormy cloud. Oh, yeah, we got to start there. All right. Um, so a, a stormy wind came out of the north and a great cloud with brightness around it and fire flashing forth continually, and in the midst of the fire, as it were, gleaming metal. And, in the midst, and, in, and from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures. Oh, there's four living creatures again. Um, and this was their appearance. They had a human likeness, but each had four faces. Oh, that's a little different. They had four faces. <laughs> and each of them had four wings. Okay, four wings, not six. Okay. Uh, their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the sole of a calf's foot. And they sparkled like burnished bronze. What does that mean, burnished bronze? But I don't know. I'm just saying that because that's how we would probably read our Bible, right? Oh, what does burnished bronze mean? All right, we'll move along. Uh, under the wings, on their four sides, each had human hands. And the four had their faces and their wings thus. Their wings touched one another. Each one of them went straight forward without turning as they went. As for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. The four had the face of a lion on the right side, and the four had the face of an ox on the left side, and the four had, a face, had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces, and the wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each of which touched the wing of another, while two covered their bodies. And they went straight forward. Wherever the spirit would go, they went, without turning as they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning, and the living creatures darted to and fro, like the appearance of flashing lightning, of lightning, a flash lightning, like a flash of lightning. Now, as I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel, wheel on the earth beside the living creatures, one for each of the four of them. As for the appearance of the wheels and their construction, their appearance was like the gleaming of beryl, 
and the four had the same likeness, their appearance and construction being, as it were, a wheel in the, uh, within a wheel. Y'all can tell that King James and them songs of mill in the middle of the middle of wheel, right? <laughs> when they went, they went in, they went in any of their four directions without turning as they went. And their, and their rims were tall and awesome. And the rims of all, somebody liking that, it's like, yeah, the rims, man, the rims. That's right, you know, convertible with some nice rims. And their rims were tall and awesome. And when the living creatures rose from the earth, the wheels rose. Whenever the spirit wanted, wherever the spirit wanted to go, they went and the wheels rose along with them. For the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Uh, when those went, these went. And when those stood, these stood. And when those rose from the earth, the wheels rose along with them. For the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. So there's just a lot going on, right? There's this is the flashing lightning, big rims, wheels. Like this is eyes all over the place, different types of faces on like one head and just stuff like moving. Like they don't even turn. They just like boom, boom, boom. They just... You know, they're, they're, they're just doing that. And so, so look, I mean, and there are uh, 21 verses given, given to that. So it's a lot of information there and a lot of questions that could come about these living creatures who are there. But look at verse 22. Over the heads of the living creatures, there was the likeness of an expanse shining with like awe-inspiring crystal spread out above their heads. And under the expanse, their wings were stretched out one toward another. And each creature had two wings covering its body and, <clears throat> excuse me, yes. And they went, and when they went, excuse me, I heard the sound of their wings like the sound of many waters, like the sound of the Almighty, like a tumult, like the sound of an army. So just, again, the, the, so not only do you have the sight, but then you have the sound. So you have, like, a few of your senses involved in, like, processing, like trying to process, I would imagine, what's going on, right? Because it's some strangeness going on here if you're me. I don't know about you, but if you're me, that's like, man, I don't think I would want to see that vision right there. I don't want, if I have a dream like that, I'm trying my best to wake myself up, right? I'm not trying to continue because I'm probably going to wonder, like, where in the world is this going? But it's, 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 it's not only visually Stunning, but it's loud. So the last part I read said, like the sound, a sound of tumult, like the sound of an army. Then it says, and this is a, this is a transition sentence. When they stood still, they let their wings, they let down their wings. And so, so there's movement all over the place, right? And then he just throws in, all right, when they stand still, they put their wings down. Listen to this, 25. And there came a voice from above the expanse over their heads. When they stood still, they let their wings down. I just wanted to, no, no, I'm not going to do it now. I'm just, I'm going to do it now. When, so all of the tumult that's going on, all of the movement that's going on, the lights, the sound, everything that's going around is there comes a voice from somewhere where all of the activity stops. I used to be in the military. 
There'd be, we, we could be talking to here, all of us, if all of us were in the military. Yeah, listen, how the wedding preparation going on? Yeah, are you, are you excited? Oh, that's a dumb question. Okay, yeah, hey, Eli, how's this going? All, we're all talking like we do during the break. And then if we're there and somebody says, attention, everything stops. You stop what you're doing because the general is coming into the room. You have to stop whatever you're doing. It's not like when I say, all right, let's move to your seats and we continue on. No, 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 no. We stop what we're doing. We drop everything and we look and we see who it is. This is similar to that. There's a lot going on, but there's a voice. When the voice comes, they have to stop what they're doing. They drop their wings and they start paying attention. I just want to let you know that regardless of what is going on in your life, any time at all, that there is a voice that commands everything, and that voice comes from the Most High. And the Bible lets us know in Romans as we prayed that if he is for us, who can be against us? We've heard who he is. He's the Almighty. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of hosts. He's, there's nothing that can stop him, nothing that can thwart him. So when he speaks, things happen. Or we could say this, when he speaks, things stop. Remember that. This is the God you serve, right? So he didn't have to wake up from a dream. When the voice came, boom, attention. And they listen. Don't forget that God speaks over your life. Don't forget scriptures that let us know that before the foundation of the world that he chose us in him and love to, to, and love to be in him. Do not ever forget that. Do not forget that, 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 that if God has given his own son, the uh, Romans lets us know that, that how, how will he not also give us all things? Don't, don't forget these things. I understand life. I lived it long enough to understand that things happen, that, that crowds out the voice. Things happen where we don't see God move the way we thought he would move, the way we anticipated the moving. But don't forget. Like, remember, this, Ezekiel saw this, not us, right? He saw this. We don't see this normally, right? I, to be honest, I, I'm, I don't even want to see it right now. I don't want to see it till, it till some other time, like when I'm on the other side. That's why when everybody sees them, they just lose strength. Boom. They have to be given, as Pastor Curtis said, permission to stand. And that's what happens when it's a turn stop then what does, usually what happens is they say at ease. <laughs> or they may say as you were. At ease means listen up. I mean, you can be eased, but you better listen. As you were means you can just say, yeah, listen on, so uh, what time are you getting here for the wedding? You can, you can just pick up like where you left off. But you're going to stop. You, you, you will stop. You are trained to stop, and you will stop. It won't just be you, everybody in the room, 200. It doesn't matter how many. They're going to stop. God is more powerful than any general we've ever had, ever seen, have record of. He is the most high God. He created everything by his will and for his purpose. That's who we're talking about. And there came a voice from above the expanse over their heads. When they stood still, they let their wings down their wings. And above the expanse over their heads, there was the likeness of a throne, go figure. In appearance like sapphire, and seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness 
with a human appearance and upward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as it were the appearance of fire. And there was brightness around him, like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on a, a day of rain, so that the appearance of the brightness, so was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one speaking to me. Well, one speaking. And in, the, in chapter two, God gives Ezekiel his commission to be a prophet. So, so we've seen how God is looked at in Revelation chapter four, the, 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 the creatures saying, holy, holy, holy. They never cease to say, holy, 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 right? Whenever they say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come, then the 24 elders, they can't let the creatures outdo them. So they just, they have to join in too. They put their crowns down and they worship him as well. They acknowledge his creation of all things, right? And then in Isaiah, we saw that, yeah, these creatures are, are, are around again. And they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And they say, like, the whole earth is full of your glory. Isaiah's response is similar. Obviously, he's not flying, but he's, he's calling down a curse on himself because the one he's talking to, or, or the one he's seen, he's not even talking to him yet. He's talking to himself, <laughs> right? Is the king, the Lord of hosts. So it's not just the heavenly beings who I said, like, if I were having this dream, I'd be like, all right, this dream doesn't look like it's going in the right direction. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, trying to wake up. Um, he's talking, he, he's not, he, 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 I would wake up from them. But what Isaiah sees is the one who speaks, right? The one whose voice everybody stopped at, right? That, that's who he sees. And so he's like, he calls down a curse on himself. Ezekiel has a similar response, right? He loses all of his power to, and he falls down on his face. And then he hears the voice not speaking to the creatures, but also speaking to him. May that voice speak to you as well, especially when you are tempted with despair, tempted to lose hope, when you're wondering who you are. Remember whose you are. That will determine who you are. And whose you are is the Almighty's if you place your faith in Jesus Christ. How does this divine counsel, it's like, like say, divine cabinet, right? So, like, our presidents, they have their cabinets, right? They have, they have that, right? We don't have a, um, a monarchy. We have something different. So we have a cabinet. But, this, but God, and this is what I wanted to say about the pantheon, 
because of how we could process that word, I would like to point out that it's not a pantheon. It's a monarchy. God is the one in charge, the almighty. That's why the other beings are worshiping him. That's why they throw their crowns down. That's why they count what he's done because they realize that he's their king. So if you've ever seen, I, I, I like, I like um, watching movies that show like kingships and things like that because it's always very interesting. One, because they talk kind of cool. Um, and, and two, like it just, just some of the, the depth of, of reality in a situation. So, um, so I was watching this one show recently where um, this one king, he designates someone the, the heir upon his death, right? So I can't talk cool like that dude, but he's like, I'll, I'll modernize it. I, Michael, of the house Dixon, second of his name. Yeah, king of the realm, protector of the realm, and this and that and that of the realm, right? He's everything he is, right? Right? You even think so that that, that might be a little bit too too let's 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 put it like this. Boxing. I know people do, do like MMA and, and 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 all that and I'm I know some people who invented that before it was really that called that before it was a sport. Uh, but anyway. Um so but you will have, so if, you, if you're me uh, in, in the Landover area, this place called Palmer Park, there was a boxer named Sugar Ray Leonard who went to Parkdale High School. So they might, so all boxers and MMA fighters, I think, I would imagine this, they have like where they're from, right? You have all the stats about them. So you have, I'm not going to use myself, we'll use somebody who's in shape. We have uh, uh, Rumbling Rusty Baker. In this corner, we have Rumbling Rusty Baker from Landover, Maryland, weighing in at 205. Uh, he is 5 and 0, 12 by, no, how are you going to be 5 and 0 and 12 by knockout? He's 12 and 0, 5 by knockout. All of those stats are so everyone knows who he is, right? Then they do the same thing for this other person, right? And they might be 6 and 0, right? Or they might be 15 and 0, 3 by knockout. Or they might be 15 and 0. 15 by knockout. And so as you listen to like what their names are and all how they're being designated, you're, you're, you, can be, you can be adding up in your mind who's going to win this fight. The Almighty has so many names. Those thousand names that we sing about. That he's the lily. See, I, yeah, I'm going to go old school. He's like the lily of the valley, right? He's, they say he's the wheel in the middle of the wheel. That's where I got that from, from a song, right? They, 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 he, he's the alpha and omega, as we heard. He's the Lord of hosts. He's the king of kings. He is the great I am. He, and we could go on and on and on and on. If he were designating someone, it would take him forever to list everything that he is because he is the almighty. That's who we serve. That's who sent his son for us. That's who, who not only from the foundation of the world, like, predestined you in love, but, but protected your life if you know him until such time that you submitted yourself, whatever crowns you had, you laid them down and you recognized him as the almighty of your life. That's who we serve. Yes, we could go on and on and on and on about his deeds and we could say things that would be, if, if we just like took a mic and say, all right, we want to start with Frank over here. And we're just going to pass this mic around till everybody says everything God has done in their life. We would not leave this building. We, we wouldn't leave. We would be stuck here. We would be starving. 
or, or the door dash or something like we, 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 we wouldn't be able to leave because he's done so much. Why? Because he's almighty. Why? Because he speaks into your life. Why? Because he's powerful enough not only to say what he wants to say, but to follow through on what he has said. So he doesn't give empty promises. He doesn't give because he's almighty. No, no one. Can, he's the most high. And being the most high, that means like not any of those subsidiary Elohim can do anything to you. Well, to me, that's why nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's why. That's why no one can pluck us out of his hand. That's, that's why. Right? So let me tell you this. This is, this, this is, this is, so that's like a mosaic. But this is a function for me. That means for me that when it comes to uh, when it comes to being in the Lord, the only thing that can separate from me from Him is if I give up. If I say I don't want anything to do with it, it's not because of some some powerful being. Mm-mm. No, but if I give up, so I say that to encourage you. Don't give up. A lot of people are giving up these days. They are. And I understand it's a tough time, right? But don't give up. Even if all you can do is crawl, (laughs) do that. Even if you can't crawl and all you can do is kneel and pray, like, do that. Even if you can't do that, and you might be like, like Pete was when I saw him, and this is why it's critical, like, to memorize God's word so that in times where you can't even kneel down and you cannot do anything, that you can still set your mind on things above where Christ is, right? Don't give up, saints. That's right. I called you a saint because scripture does. So let's see how this divine assembly, this divine cabinet functions. And remember, we're not, throughout this, we're not seeking to answer some of, most of these, this interaction that we've had this morning, most of it is going to be, this is the first, and then we're coming back to it. So the details of it, like I said, you know, we can get caught up in some details, but like right now, we're taking like the 30, the 30,000 foot view. So God is almighty is, he's the most high, that's what we're looking at. There are there is a divine council or divine assembly, and this is how it works in 1 Kings 22 <clears throat> because of what God wanted, wanted to do. Now, some background. Uh, everyone knows Jehoshaphat. Well, Jehoshaphat was a king, uh, and Ahab is a king, and they are looking to collaborate on a battle. And beginning in verse... 13, this is what it says. And the messenger who went, so, so, uh, so okay, so the, the background, background is necessary. So, you know, for, as, as the battle's coming, you know, so we were talking about boxing, right? Y'all, have, y'all know what the hype man is? I think they have it in rap too as well. Um, but the hype man is the one who just reminds you of all your stuff you're doing and just reminds you that you can, like, hey, man, you can crush this dude. Like, hey, man, remember that time he forced us? Yeah, you could beat him, man. Yeah, and like you got this left hook, like use the left hook, right? You got so, so 
the, 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 the individuals who are coming before Jehoshaphat and Ahab are like hype men. So Jehoshaphat says, hey, is there a word from the Lord? Like, all right, all right, we, all right this, these people, okay, we heard. But like, is there a word from the Lord? Then Ahab basically says, yes, there is one. <laughs> but he always speaks, he never speaks good of me, so I don't really want to hear from him. But okay, go get him, go get him, go get him. So here we go. And the messenger who went to summon Micaiah, I'm going to call him Micaiah. I'm just going to call him that. Said to him, behold, the, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. So he's trying to butter him up, right? Let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to, to me, that I will speak. And when he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall we refrain? And he answered him, go and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But the king, now I'm not saying what's not captured is how he said it, right? Because um, verse 16 says, but the Lord said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And Ahab said, I'm excuse me, not Ahab, excuse me, 17, and he said, I saw all Israel, okay, now thank you. You want to hear from the Lord? I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And so Micaiah is going into, he's, he's in the throne room, though he doesn't describe it, because look at what he says. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let them return let each return to his home in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Like, listen to what he's saying. And Micaiah said, therefore hear, what the word, hear the word of the Lord. I saw, here's the throne room, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the, the host of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said one thing. So they had, who's, okay, here's an idea, here's an idea. One said one thing. Um, and one and another said another. Then, a spirit, it doesn't say what, it didn't describe it, but, the, but then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, by what means? So we think, hey, God just, he just decides what to do. This divine assembly interacts with God at God's command and at his desire. Hey, who's going to do this? Listening, all right, people throwing up ideas, individuals, whatever we want to call them. Elohim throwing up ideas, and then one spirit says, I will entice him. 
Okay, they said, you're going to die? How? And he said, I will go out and will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, you are to entice him. That's the plan. And you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you. There is the word of the Lord to Ahab that he wanted. But the process is probably surprising to most of us. We may have read this and been like, oh, I'm real uncomfortable with that. Let's go to first, first Kings 23. All right, man, okay, let's go to that joint, man, because this joint seems like it's people on God's, like God's getting counseled. Like, no, that's not the way I understand God, right? I, and I understand that. And we're going to revisit this passage. I'm not sure which of us is, is going to do it, but we'll revisit the passage um, so we're not going to get into, like, why did God choose to do this and all that. We know Ahab was a wicked king. Uh, we know, uh, like this, uh, Psalm 82, that at some point the, 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 the actions of the wicked have consequences on them, right? They, they have consequences. But the point of our reading this is to show how this divine cabinet works. This, this is what I want to do. Let me hear what you think that we should do. Obviously, he rejected some plans. Because then a spirit said, I will entice him. Oh, you'll entice him. Let me hear more about that. Oh, yeah. Go ahead and entice him. That's going to work. And if you read chapter 23, I think it's in chapter 23 um, of 1 Kings. At some point you see, like close after this, Ahab dies. He dies on that battlefield. He does. He does. But that's not our purpose for reading this. Our purpose for reading this in the context of spiritual warfare is just to show you that there are other Elohim, plural, that are not the almighty God, that are not the most high God. There are things that they do. There are responsibilities that they have that we'll get into as we, as we uh, progress. But for now... We're just making the point that, okay, there, there might be more going on than we, than we think. Mm -hmm. But, Lord, there's not more going on than you control because you are most high. And we thank you so much that in your capacity of who you are, that you would take note of us not only as, as just humanity, but as Michael and as uh, Karen and as Donna and as Steve and as Lola and as um, Saul and as JP. We thank you that you are in control of our lives. We thank you that you have the final word and you're the one who approves what happens in our life and what happens in the world. And we don't always understand that. We acknowledge that. But we know that we can always trust you. We know that if we have the information you have, we will come to the same conclusions if we had your nature. We don't, and so sometimes we come to 
different conclusions. But Father, we trust you. We thank you that you're not only the most high, but you are, that we can call you Father. We thank you so much that Jesus told us that's the way we're to approach you when we pray. So thank you that you are not just the most high. And just and using the word just in front of that is not justice to who you are. But we thank you that even in that capacity, you are broad enough in your character to be our father as well. Continue to speak over our life, Lord. Continue to show us where we are to go as your people. Guide us. Thank you that your word lets us know that uh, your sheep know your voice and a stranger we will not follow. Help us to trust you, Lord. Help us to view you as the most high and help that to be a functional category for us in our life as we move forward, despite anything that we may not understand. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how your word is. On some level, it, is, it can be incomprehensible. But Lord, thank you that your word is there so that we can comprehend what you have revealed about yourself. So help us as we read it, that we will see more of you as we read our Bibles and help us to read our Bibles more and more that we may be more aware of you at every aspect of life in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, all right, so we're going to go ahead and take uh, communion at this time. The scene of, of Isaiah in chapter 6 is one that He's aware of his undoneness before God and he calls a curse on himself. We see the mercy of God that a seraphim would go and with tongs take a coal and put it to the lips of the prophet. Not only to take away his, 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 his sin, but also to prepare him for ministry as well because he's to begin prophesying. And so we know that our, 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 our atonement comes through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who laid his life down for us. And so that is what we acknowledge this morning as we take the wafer which represents the body of Christ, the Son of God, the Word who became flesh who sacrificed his body at the hour at which God would glorify him. We thank God for Almighty for constructing that plan. And we take and we eat the wafer, which represents that broken body right now. And now we take the juice, which represents the blood of Jesus Christ, sacrificed for us, and we drink it together right now. As I pray, I would like to invite the uh, band to come back up so we can sing that song about the names one more time as we leave.
Uh, but Father, we thank you so much for the sacrifice of your son. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. We thank you that while, as one song I know uh, talks about, uh, while we were um, your enemies, you called us as your friends. Thank you that the scripture lets us know that while we were ungodly, that Christ died for us, and we are so grateful for that. We thank you for making a way for us not just to, to not experience your wrath, but to be able to delight in experiencing your goodness. Thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus, and thank you for all the ways in which your care is extended to us. Amen, amen, and amen.